0: This is Around the Rim with LaChyna Robinson. Hello, basketball fans. It is your favorite time of the week. It's a new episode of Around the Rim, your ESPNW women's basketball podcast. I'm your host, LaChina Robinson, joined by my co-host, Devro Peters. Hey, Dev. Hey. Two time. That's two. That's deuce. Yes. That's dose.
1: Thank you for WNBA
0: championships. Yes. got that right this week. Um, and Tarika, Tarika Foster Brasby, my fantastic and fabulous producer on the show. Um, ladies, what's up? Just give me a little, like, what's the vibe right now? Like what's going on?
1: Not much over here. I'm just living life. I'm just enjoying watching dad fight off. The <laughs> That's just lit. I mean, <laughs> that, that was crazy, right? <laughs> that was a little out of pocket. Like, bro, I did not say uh, nothing about Rika. I don't know why, but look, for the people that did not listen to last
0: week's show, you should because we did a nice preview of the season. We talked about what we're looking forward to, our, you know, MVP predictions, Rookie of the Year predictions, all of those different things. And um Dev had to do a prediction for Rookie of the Year. And as most of you know, she is a Notre Dame alum. Um, and there are five rookies in the WNBA out of Notre Dame, which is awesome. Let me just say that um and we'll talk about I'm sure Jess Shepard later in the show after the weekend she had um but that's a lot so Muffet's doing something right let's just acknowledge that but for Dev to have to pick out of five <laughs> the yeah. one that she thought and we didn't we didn't restrict her to Notre Dame uh players just let me say that like she was going to pick someone from Notre Dame because that's who she is you already know but um so
1: What did you say? What did? Why were you getting into it with the people? (laughs) All I said was that Jackie put them in a position for Enrique to hit the shots. And Enrique hit the shots and we won. That's just what happened. And there was a certain person that was upset and said, I diminished Enrique's value by saying that. And I don't I don't understand how I simply said what happened. Jackie is the reason that they were able to get to a point where Enrique could hit those two shots for them to win the championship. That's it. I mean, that's just what happened. I don't understand in what way that diminishes anything Arike does because, I mean, without her hitting it, we wouldn't have won. So I don't know. I don't have no idea what the purpose was. But I'm definitely going to say that. I'm not one of these, like, participation trophy people. You know, like, if we have to get a clear-cut rookie of the year and I'm going to tell you why I picked them, like – don't get upset. If you want to give Enrique the rookie year, that's fine. Tweet her. I don't I, don't Ooh, I love it. Ooh. <laughs> well, I actually
0: said that, um I, I said, Tarika, make sure you check with Dev before we send this out, right? Because, like, we're not trying to offend people. And we're definitely not trying to have the Irish in your mentions. Like, that just doesn't feel right. Um, and so I was like, let's run this by Dev,
2: but she said what she said. I was just gonna say, Dev text me back like I said what I said. I okay. Was like, well, ma'am. <laughs> Listen. She said what she said. <laughs>
0: she said. So anyway, yes, there's been a lot of great things happening on Twitter. We'll spark some of those conversations um as we're talking today. But what we're gonna do with the show uh is kind of debate, kinda discuss some of our takeaways from opening weekend. We'll do a little preview of the big matchup between Phoenix and Las Vegas scheduled for this Friday. That's 7 p.m. on ESPN2. That's Eastern time. Uh, Liz Cambage is expected to make her debut in that game. And we'll talk a little bit about Vegas's debut because they didn't look too shabby without Liz. Um, but, yeah, so we're, we got a great show planned for you. So with that, Tarika, where do
2: you want me to go? You're my boss. Let's head into the first quarter. There it is.
1: First quarter.
2: All right. So as LaChina mentioned, we made it through opening weekend for the WNBA. And, it was really literally one for the books because according to um, ESPN and Nielsen, the, the actual game that aired as the game of the week, the Mercury and the Storm, um, it was actually the highest rated WNBA opening game on an ESPN network since 2012, which was up 25% from last year. Now, if you recall, last year's opening game was L.A. and Minnesota as far as opening on a national platform. And you kind of expect L.A. and Minnesota to have high numbers because they're two teams that have very – very large fan bases. But when you hear these markets that tuned in for the Seattle and Phoenix game, you may be a little bit surprised outside of Seattle, there was Louisville, Kentucky, Nashville, Tennessee, and Cleveland, Ohio. Surprised the heck out of me. So, before we get into the actual games themselves, I just kind of want to get your take um and we'll start with you La China on what do you think these numbers say about the growth of our game even just over from last year until this year?
0: The first thing immediately that that stood out to me was that people knew that the season was starting. That's been a point of frustration for me in the past is and we still can do better, we still can do more, but I felt like there was some good energy some good marketing and little things here and there that reminded fans that WNBA season is getting ready to start, right? And so they're tuning in for that first game, which we're usually a month in for some people to be like, oh, WNBA season started? I'm like, would you please? So the fact that they knew the season was starting is important and significant for all of us that are constantly trying to promote the league. You know, obviously for ESPN, for people to say, okay, well, this game was good. Let me check the rest of the schedule, which hopefully will help the rest of the ratings. But it just really set the tone. And, you know, the other thing about the production, like uh, people don't even understand the ESPN crew, like that I am just blessed. I don't even know how I got this opportunity. Like it just doesn't even make sense on on paper. But like our coordinating producer, Rodney Vaughn, Um, Ian Gruka is one of our producers you know obviously you heard Rebecca and and Holly and Ryan who are a fantastic crew Um, and then you know there's audio there's all the people behind the scenes that do stuff and you know Kara and Pam will do games later on the season everyone loves the WNBA that works on this. So, like, the elements and making sure, you know, there's so much detail that goes into, and I'm gonna brag on my colleagues because they deserve it. There's so much that goes into putting a broadcast like that together because as you guys know, WNBA information isn't readily available everywhere and there's a new logo and teams have changed their uniforms and players have changed teams. And if you're, you guys have been a part of this sport where you've been frustrated because the details were not buttoned up. I thought for the first game of the season, uh, things were buttoned up, you know. And it really, like ESPN showed that they cared a lot about the product and the way they presented that opening game. And obviously it worked out because the viewers watched.
1: Go ahead, Beth. I was going to say I definitely agree. Um, Our promotion and marketing was on a different level this year, especially on Twitter. Um, And I think that we were getting – eyes and ears from different areas because, you know, like we had a lot of people, different um, influencers involved, NBA players. It was, it's a lot going on for the W right now as far as marketing and promotion. And this is definitely one of the biggest arguments I have with people when they talk about nobody wants to see the WNBA. I'm like, cause a lot of people don't even know we have one. <laughs> so oh, okay. they don't even know if they want Get to see it because it. we don't, they don't know about it. And so, um, I think we just had a push this year that was unlike any other as far as marketing and, and getting it out there. Out, outside of just the women's basketball fans we already have. And I thought that was in direct relation to those numbers. It's like, surprise, surprise, when you market, you get people to watch. Shocker.
2: No, it you're is. correct.
1: And aside from
2: national TV, I'm glad you mentioned Twitter because they've committed to airing 20 WBA games this season. So just another avenue, as you mentioned, that fans can take to watch. And again, you also mentioned like Kobe was out, Kelly Oubre was out, uh, Carl Anthony Towns was out. So the support is definitely huge. Um, one of the games that was aired on Twitter this weekend was the Connecticut Sun game against the uh, Washington Mystic, um, no Della Don there, um, to defend Connecticut came away with a, with a huge win. Vegas put on a show in their opener against LA with no Liz Cambage, who as China mentioned is suiting up this weekend. Seattle, I think, sent a message to everybody that they don't need <laughs> Sue. Did they? they don't need Sue. <laughs> we gonna show up and show out anyway. Tiara, she hits a buzzer beater, uh, against the Liberty. This weekend was just crazy. So, with all of that going on, and I'll let you guys pick which one, you know, stood out the most to you, but which team surprised you the most and which team impressed you the most? Let's
1: start with Dev. Um, as far as impressed, I think, um, Seattle for sure, because I think, you know, a lot of people peg them to just be, have a down year period um and and just not even be in contention for much of anything and the way that they came out and played was amazing they had all types of people step up jordan Canada was out there hooping like Mm. (laughs) hooping Mm. for her life she really stepped up into that role um of replacing Sue and, and was on it. And I, w- I was truly impressed by her, um, in particular and the way she's able to handle us. The point guard position is hard. That's the hardest position in the game. Um, and for a young player to come up and have to replace a player like Sue, um, in a season where people don't think you're about to do anything, like it, I, I was really impressed with the way Seattle, um, played that game and handled, um, Phoenix runs because DB wasn't going down easy. So, I just that was a I thought it was a really entertaining game um, all around. But surprised, I think I, I'll i say surprised was definitely Indiana. That last second shot was that was crazy coming from a rookie. <laughs> that's that's a lot. And so, I, I mean, I thought that was a great game. Um, I definitely thought New York would be able to pull that one out. So, yeah, that was definitely the surprise for me, surprise team for me. But overall, there were a whole bunch of good games this weekend. Dev, I'm going to be
0: honest. My (laughs) surprise was not a good surprise. (laughs) My surprise was what in the world was wrong with Phoenix? (laughs) I mean, taking no credit away from Seattle, right? Because like you said, lo and behold, goodness, Natasha Howard, 21 points. Jewel Lloyd got it going in the second half, had 17. Jordan Canada I mean, like, you definitely had some brilliant moments. I mean, they I, – I was blown away by them as well. But I'm more surprised that Phoenix was not better. I mean, they scored nine points in the second quarter. You have DeWanna Bonner, who's an MVP candidate, Brittany Griner, who's an MVP candidate, Essence Carson is a WNBA champion, Breon January is a WNBA champion. I mean, you got enough in that starting lineup. You got enough firepower, experience, everything you need to have gotten that win. Now, I understand they don't have Diana Tarazi, and I'm not trying to downplay that because I did realize while watching that game how important Diana really is. So let's not forget to mention that. But at the same time, Compared to Seattle's roster, they started Kalina Mosqueda-Lewis, Natasha Howard, Crystal Langhorn, Jewel Lloyd, Jordan Canada. Now they played Shavante Zellis, Mercedes Russell, and Sammy Wickham off the bench. I, I just, on paper, Seattle. there's no way that Phoenix scores nine points in the quarter. There's no way they lose that game. There's no way they have 17 turnovers. Like, I, I just, that's unacceptable to me. Now, granted, I am a little bit upset because this is the team that I picked to win the championship this year, and I did go on Twitter and try to negotiate <laughs> a reprediction prediction for the season. Now, it wasn't – I was not trying to change my champion. I was actually trying to change my MVP from Brittany Griner because I don't know that they can keep her engaged in the game. BG shot 44%. BG should never shoot 44%. I know that may sound like a nice number to some people, but it's not. Not when you're 6'9", and you're by far the biggest player on the court. Diana does such a good job of keeping her engaged, involved, and using her pick-and-roll situations. Now, it's just the first game, and I get it. So I'm going to give Phoenix a little time to get themselves together. But they were by far the biggest disappointing surprise for me of first weekend. Now...
1: Impressive, the Las Vegas Aces, what? Mm. What? I mean, I already told you that, so. What?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they had some stretches in that game where I was like, uh, well, Liz Cambage who? Where she at? But LaChina, because
2: <laughs> was it just the Aces or the fact that they
0: did it against the Sparks? That too, because the Sparks were my second most disappointing team of the weekend. Um, because they, they got some things they need to work out. But I did give them a little pass because they have a new head coach. Clearly they're trying to find their way, but they just don't have enough people to initiate and facilitate offense. I mean, their, their guards, Tierra Ruffin Pratt, Beard, um, Raquana Williams, Alexis Jones, that group, they're going to have to manufacture more offense this season. There just isn't even an option because this is a big LA Sparks team. Shout out to, Mar- uh, Vadiva, cause she balled out
1: yeah, Team Lefty. <laughs> yeah, she, team she Lefty.
0: But they're gonna have to figure out, like, how can they get more offense? Now, Candace Parker could just jump back into the lineup and make sure, make everything right. Cause she's a great facilitator. She gets everybody involved, that kind of thing. But they just, they were in some tough situations on the offensive end. They only shot 36%. But Vegas very quickly, and I'll shut up, Um they look good. I mean, they weren't a a well-oiled machine. There's clearly some things they have to work on. But I thought Kayla McBride; she had 20. She looked strong. Asia Wilson with her 21. How about DeErica Hamby though? I mean, she didn't shoot the ball great from the field, but she had a double-double. She had 14 rebounds. I just love her energy. She's so underappreciated. She runs the floor extremely well. She will rebound out of position. You know, I definitely probably feel like she's got something to prove because her whole situation has changed now that Liz Cambage is going to be there. Uh, But I thought everyone that got into the game really contributed in a positive way. And even though they didn't, again, they didn't shoot the ball particularly well, they were getting good shots. I thought they competed on the defensive end. I just they look really good. And Jackie Young had a stretch in the third quarter. Woo! I think she scored all eight of her points in the third quarter. Like she just kinda started looking smooth, like we know her to look. Um so I'm gonna give a heads up to Billy and Beer and Company
2: for my uh the most impressive performance for me. For me, the the biggest surprise of the weekend, uh not necessarily a team, but a person. And it actually became a hot topic on Twitter. And that was the news that Megan Gustafson was cut from the Dallas Wings' roster. She was the 17th overall pick in this year's draft. And, I mean, literally won every award you can think of in women's college basketball. Naismith Player of the Year, ESPNW Player of the Year, AP Player of the Year. Um, she averaged 27.8 points at Iowa I just was sure that she was going to be on a team, but clearly, um, as to what Dev spoke last week and, and this just solidified it that it is really tough to make a WNBA roster. So, um, Dev, I'll start with you considering that you've been in this position before. Talk about how difficult it is and were you surprised at what happened to Megan?
1: Um, I'm not going to say I was surprised. I think it sucks um, because of the situation that the W is in. We don't have a lot of roster spots. Um, So I thought it was it was it kind of sucked, but it wasn't really surprising. I mean, I've seen first round picks not make teams. Um, So this is this is something that happens fairly often. Um, The thing with the W is that that also that people need to realize is that it's already really difficult to make a spot because there aren't a lot of spots as it is and then two a lot of it has to do with what team you get drafted to um that plays a big role in if you're going to make a team or not and your skill level and what you did in college doesn't always qualify you depending on what team you get drafted to i know players that have gotten cut that were amazing players and got drafted to the wrong team, you know, and they got cut because that wasn't the, the perfect situation for them. Um, So it's hard. It's really difficult to make a WNBA team. And it's it's not, you know, like discounting uh, Megan and how she plays or her game. It's just really that difficult. And these players are that good that if you're in a position where there aren't a lot of spots and you have to take a spot from a vet or somebody that's been there for four five, six years, it's usually not going to happen. And so – I mean, I mean, for her, it's it's not the end of the world. Like, there's always going to be opportunities for her to come back. Um, I think, you know, like she'll be a great overseas player. Go make your money, girl, and come back ready. You know, but there'll always be those opportunities. But it's really difficult to make a team, and I think that a lot of times people watch, you know, the W and. A lot of these players make it look easy. <laughs> they make stuff look nice and it looks it looks real easy and it's not. And that transition, right. you know, like that transition into from co- come from college to the W, it's a lot. Cutting them 6 seconds off, it's a lot. The game is a lot faster. You you have to get to stuff quicker. You got to be smarter, you know? Like we're not in the position anymore where in college, you could play a team and not have your great a great game and still win by 20. You can't do that in the W. Cause all these players were all all Americans. All of them were top of college players. They were all killing and doing the same stuff you were doing. So it's like, you gotta find your niche and find out where you fit in and how you can fit in and make this spot. But it's, it's hard. It's, I don't, (laughs) I don't know what else to tell y'all. It's really, really difficult. And I think this was a wake up call for people like, oh, like these players are, are really good players and not anybody can just make it into this league.
0: I don't know that we've ever had a national player of the year cut. I mean, I I don't know that that's ever happened. It's a good good question, you know, that I would throw out there to anybody listening to the podcast. But um, it's interesting. I was reading a quote um, in in The Athletic, which if our listeners um, haven't caught on, there's a lot more outlets that are writing, talking about, doing video shows, all that stuff about women's basketball. But anyway, about WNBA this summer, as Dev talked about earlier. But... Um I I read this quote from Diana Tarazi. She was talking about Brianna Turner and how much she had grown as a player during camp and she said the WNBA is like a, a different sport from college basketball, pretty much. That's what she said. It's not the exact quote. But she's absolutely right in that <laughs> I mean terminology, schemes, Dev, like you said, everything is so different. Now Megan doesn't have to wait till she goes overseas to make her money because she's getting ready to play in this the tournament Mm -hmm. where I guess there's a $2 million winner-takes-all, and she's going to be playing for uh, the Iowa United, I believe. Yeah, Iowa United So this is a very unique situation. My question is, can she still get picked up if a WNBA team wants her? I was surprised she didn't get picked up right away. Here's my thing about Megan Gustafson. I became a huge fan of hers after watching her in person. I became a huge fan of hers the more the teams tried to um game plan for her and were unsuccessful in doing anything with her on the college level. I thought she was taller than 6'3". I stood next to her at an event in November when we were over in Bahamas, and I was like, oh, this girl, is, I'm 6'4". She's taller than me. I thought she was like 6'5". Rebecca says that she's 6'3". She stood next to her. But there's a big difference between 6'3 and 6'5". Because it affects what position you could play. And when you're undersized, and 6'3 would be undersized at the 5, you really need to play the 4. The 4 in the WNBA is arguably the hardest position to play because most teams run their offense through the 4 position, and you got to be able to do a lot of things at the (laughs) 4. When I was in college, all you had to do was be able to hit a high post shot, and you could play the 4. Okay? (laughs) Now... I mean, look at some of the best players in our in the league. I mean, Stewie, Deladon, Candace Parker. This is the fourth spot we're talking about, people. So the versatility that's required there is is, is challenging. And six three has now become very, very small at the five. I mean, I Kalani Brown is six seven and her first shot in the WNBA the other night against Vegas got blocked. I don't know how many times that probably happened to her in college, but I would say very few. 6'7", and got blocked. So the league is getting bigger. 6'9", 6'7", 6'7", 6'8". And it has nothing to do with Megan at all. I think she's so talented. I believe she's going to find her way onto a WNBA roster because she's one of the hardest-working players, so determined, very skilled. She's going to figure it out. And, Dev, you know a lot of players go overseas, and they get better. They get more versatile, like you mentioned, and, you know, they they become better players. But I just think it's it's very hard because the league is so talented. It's not about Megan. It's about everyone else. And when you're a tweener, it's even harder. Because if you're not a three or you're not a four or you're not a five, you're kind of in between all of them, you got to be really good at one of them. Because there's five positions on the floor and you got to fit into one. So that's my take. But I agree with Dev that it also needed to be the right fix. I just
1: hope the girl gets a chance to play in the league. I agree. I think she does, too. Also, you know, playing the four, too, now, like, a lot of these fours have to guard threes. Like, when you have a team like, you know, L.A. where Necco will be, like, the four sometimes, but they want her guarding the three instead of Candice. If Candice is at three and they go big, like, sometimes you got to be able to guard, too. I know I, in Minnesota, there were times I had to guard the three as the four. Mm -hmm. So... Or the five, <laughs> so it's tough. It's definitely tough. Woo! <laughs> Listen,
0: hey, I wanted to ask y'all about this too. I thought this was so funny, Dave. You could appreciate this. I heard Rebecca say on the broadcast uh, I was watching. She said, <laughs> "Brittany Griner tagged somebody shot." I think it was Crystal Langhorns, real bad. And Crystal came up fixing her hair. Rebecca said, that's when you know you got a good block when the girl gets up and she got to fix her ponytail.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but y'all know that's true, though. When you fixing your hair coming up after you got your shot block, something just went down. Okay, I'm sorry, T. Go
2: ahead. You know bad. what? With that, we're going into the second quarter. <laughs> second quarter,
1: Inside the Huddle.
2: That was the perfect segue into the second quarter because we're going to see who's going to be fixing their ponytail this weekend when Brittany Griner is going to be going up against Lance Cambage. And when the Phoenix Mercury take on the Aces, I'm excited about this matchup for that very reason. And I think that that's a great place to start. So the China, uh, what are you expecting out of this game, especially when it comes to post play?
0: I mean, I'm just anxious to see how Liz Cambage fits in with Vegas. You know, I mean, it's going to be hard for Las Vegas to win in Phoenix. As much trash as I just talked about them early in the show, when you play in front of the X Factor, that's a whole nother ball game. It doesn't matter who's on the floor. Their home court advantage is, is pretty nice. Which by the way, we saw some great crowds out there this weekend. Vegas fans were out. Um, Tariqa and I actually went to the Connecticut game. They had bodies in there. Like, shout out to Amber Cox, who gave us the first-class treatment. That whole experience was amazing. But anyway... Um it's going to be hard for you know them to kind of find their way around Liz in front of the X-Factor and I think Phoenix is pissed. Like I think they know that they kind of blew a game at Seattle. Um so more than anything, yeah, I want to see how BG responds and and we've seen Brittany Griner player play against Liz Cambay. Like this won't be our first time, but um just what Bill Lambear does with his lineups and rotations with Liz now on the floor. I'm just looking forward to see how all that works out.
1: Yeah. I I I know firsthand that Phoenix is a hard place to play in. It's it's definitely hard, but you know, I you know Vegas is my team. So I feel like they'll be fine. I think they'll be just all right because Cambage is coming back. She's excited. They were killing without her, which I want to just note that I had picked Vegas before she had even got traded there. So I just want to throw that out there now. I think I that's had already, her second time saying that. <laughs> <I> just <laughs> want to say it again. Did she not say
0: that last week on the okay. show? Because I thought. I'm going to okay. say it every week. Go ahead. So y'all
1: understand that what it was. Because, you know, it's just only going to get better with Liz. Like she's, I feel like she has had a rough time. We saw her frustration with wanting to get out of Dallas. And I feel like now... She's going to be wanting to go ham to prove her point that she was ready to go. And now she's going to come out trying to kill. I And especially against BG, that's like, that's a tough matchup right there. Like, I feel like that game is going to be so much fun because both of them are super competitive. You know Liz is ready to come up and show out. And like you said, I'm sure BG is not happy with the way last game went. Really, the whole team, I'm sure, is not happy. But... The way Vegas was playing, everybody contributed. There was no drop-off at any point with any sub that came in. Everybody came in and was doing their part and playing their role extremely well. And um with last game, you know, I think Phoenix just had an off day. Um, they was completely outside of themselves. Like, that's, that's something that never happens. But they're a scoring team. But, I mean, I thought the way Vegas was even playing defense, I, I just think that they're going to be able to pull it out. I think it'll be a really difficult game. Um, but I think they're ready. Are they ready for this pressure?
0: Well, I'll say this Phoenix needs Sancho, apparently, she's available. They did not have her. They did not have Camille little. um they need those players to be healthy and ready to go, and I'm anxious to see how much Sancho plays. But if I had to bring it down to one key to the game, can Vegas stop doing Bonner because she's just she's just in the zone, okay? She doesn't care. She's balling. She's she knows there's no Diana. She's got to set the tone, and that's just what it's gonna be. And so, will anybody from Vegas step up? They've got you know plenty of big guards and defenders, but nobody is like DeWanna Bonner. Nobody. So that matchup will be interesting. I I feel like they have to stop everybody else.
1: <laughs> DB can't beat them by herself. So even if she goes off, they have to stop everybody else.
2: We'll see. We will see, and just to give a little numerical context to this game, uh, last season, when the Mercury and the Aces faced off head-to-head, the Mercury did take three of their four meetings. Also, as excited as I am to see Cam Bage match up against Brittany Griner, she struggled against Griner uh, last season when she played the Mercury. Her 13.7 points per game were her fewest against any team, and that's going to be tough. I'm sure that's going to be on her mind as she heads into this game. So fans, make sure you are tuned in on Friday at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN2. Stay right where you are, because when we come back from halftime, we're going to have more from LaChina and Dev talking about our rookies. They showed up and showed out this weekend, and so we're going to find out which one do our hosts think shined the brightest. Is it Tiara McCowan? Is it Nafisa Collier? Is it Jackie Young? Was it Arike Ngumboale? Who's it going to be? We don't know, but stay tuned third quarter scouting report all right fans we're back and it was go time for some rookies in our opening weekend so we wanted to make sure that on this podcast we took a couple of moments to highlight um, those who basically came out the gate swinging this weekend took advantage of some opportunities to play and really shine Nafisa Collier who scored 27 points in her league debut most ever for a rookie Tierra McCowan hits a game winner Arike Ngumbawale scoring 12 in her debut for Dallas and she was the only starter to score in double figures how about that Jackie Young as we talked about earlier she had 8 points for the Aces but she was 4 for 4 scored every time she uh, attempted. And, and I think that's super huge for that team. So, the we'll start with you. Uh, who was the rookie that stood out the most to you this weekend?
0: Well, because I, I kind of have an idea of where Dev is going, but I would have to say Tierra McCowan because if you watched that game winner at New York, we were all excited about the season kicking off and this was, you know, it was the moment, but Pokey Chapman... Drew up a great play, gives the ball to Candace Dupree, who, if I, I mean, especially on that team, but just because of Candace's ability to stay calm and poised in all kinds of situations, I'm trying to get the ball in her hands. So she makes a play, dumps it to Tierra McCowan, and that girl got some hands. It was not an easy pass to catch by any stretch of the imagination. And she's a rookie, catches it has the wherewithal to get it up and score it in the waning moments of that game. I I just thought it was huge. And I appreciate that level of composure. She's a, she's a Mississippi state girl. So Vic Schaefer has put her through the fire and, you know, she knows how to show up in big moments, you know, about all the final four appearances. So to me, that was huge, but I think more than anything this weekend, and I, I mentioned early in the show, Jackie Young, that third quarter she had, I have to go back to her because she's my pick for rookie of the year. And I've got to make sure she looks as confident, as smooth, as poised as I think she needs to to accomplish our goal. <clears throat> but um, <laughs> she looks good. But I, I just think overall, the, the the youth movement is real. Like, these rookies are not out here waiting for anyone to give them anything. Like, they are ready for their opportunity. So I, I appreciated that um, across the board, but I, I would definitely have to give my award to Tierra McCowan.
2: Well, after that game the China, Tiara McCowan spoke to the media about what it felt like to be in that position and to have a game winner in your first career basketball game as a professional Let's take a listen.
0: Alright, Tierra you finished with eleven point six rebounds. Can you talk about your first game with WLDF? Um it's pretty physical out there, you know, going up to W and then Charles, so I just had to just go in there, put myself down there, you know, don't take any positions off. Just go out there and just go hard the whole time you're out
2: there. Alright, talk about your game running shot. Um coming in because we a play and and we were running. and Candice drove and she it to me. She always tells me in practice, you know, keep your hands ready. So I knew when she passed that I had to finish on the other side and then went in, so I was proud of myself.
0: Awesome. Now what's your mindset moving forward? Especially when it first game of the season. Um just dominating, you know, every time I prove myself, you know, what I can do when I put my mind to tell myself
1: to dominate, so I just gotta keep going and push them harder every day.
2: All right now so Dev. Let's hear from you. Which rookie shined the most to you this weekend?
1: Yeah, so Nafisha Collier was amazing. Like, she did not get the memo that this was her rookie season at all. She had 27 points, and especially in a game where I honestly felt that Minnesota was very sloppy. They had 20 turnovers Eleven in the first half, I believe, and um, they really had a day where they were trying to. You could tell they were trying to figure it out. Um, and against a Chicago team that is also trying to figure out, they were able to get away with a lot of those. But Collier, throughout the game, was able to maintain her poise in a way that not many rookies can come in and do. Especially in like the first game, you know, you have nerves. You know, you're excited, you're nervous. In um, a game like that where you know people around you that may have been there are a little bit more sloppy she was able to hold her own and she just had an amazing game I was extremely impressed I I felt like she was gonna have a good game but that just blew me out of the water I'm looking forward to watching her moving forward she definitely was somebody that I felt was ready for the league but I mean, I I really had no words watching that game. (laughs) She just had an amazing night, and I was just extremely impressed with how she played.
0: Dev, now, if I'm not mistaken, she's playing the three, correct? Now, Mm -hmm. and she did not in, like, people were wondering if she was going to be able to make that transition. I know Cheryl Reeve has been working with
1: her on that. Do you think she's ready for the three spot? I think um, with the way that, Minnesota runs their offense. A lot of stuff is interchangeable, and they usually have bigger guards, so they do a lot of posting up. She got a lot into the, in the post a lot, um, and i where she was clearly comfortable. Um, and so, I I don't think it's as hard a transition in that system, um, just because Reeve has been she's had these bigger guards for a while now, and that's something that they they do is they post up their guards quite a bit. Simone posts up quite a bit. Maya was always posting up, um, so I think in that system she'll be fine moving to that position i think defensively is always the harder part when you're moving from a four like to a three Mm -hmm, um that's mm -hmm. always the more difficult um adjustment because you can always make a way to put them in in positions and and, um where they're comfortable doing things that they do and she can shoot um she can post up and so she reeve is very smart you know she's going to get her in the positions where um she's going to be able to score but i think the hardest um transition will be defensively is having to then guard players that have been playing in the three and having to go out um outside Mm. on the three-point line that's probably going to be the biggest jump
0: yeah that's a really good point because it's hard the three is quick and if anything she's Still, I think, growing and maturing in is just the foot speed aspect, which a lot of rookies do because of the speed of the WNBA. Um, but I, I'm, I'm interested to see what she'll do, and especially, like you said, for her to shine through on a night where maybe things weren't going great for Minnesota. Obviously, they've got some injuries. They're the most intriguing team, I think, for everyone because of the pieces. But I do want to say before we move on, to Rika that we give a lot of post players love on the show there were some guards that showed out this weekend. Erica Wheeler showed out. Okay. She went off. So shout out to Erica Wheeler, um, who combined actually in the two games she's played in has averaged, well, had 42 points. So she's averaging about 21 points per game, but just one of those players has moved from team to team, to team, to team, to team. To team. And it's so good to see her really uh, reach her value in the league and for people to, to start to appreciate her. So, I did want to give her some love, and and also the backcourt for the Aces. I mean, I I really like Sydney Colson off the bench. I thought Kelsey Plum, even though she got a little foul trouble. You know, she's, she's showing some growth. We talked about Jordan Cannon. But anyway, everybody always says, I don't give the guards no love. So there you go. I gave you a little bit. Don't ask me for nothing. That's all y'all getting. Period. Be-
2: before we head out of this third quarter, I did want to mention really quickly that the weekly power rankings are out. Um, they usually come out on Tuesday on WNBA.com. And just really quickly, um, just to give you a look at where the, the top five teams that they've ranked, um, for this coming week or at least coming off of week one, um, you have the Aces at number one one they ranked connecticut sun at two the washington mystics at three the la sparks at four and the phoenix mercury at five so if you want to delve into that a little bit more you can head over to wnba.com and check out the rankings for week one it's
0: too early we gonna give y'all some time to get yourself together we ain't gonna comment on that right now Yep, we gonna (laughs) wait
2: we gonna wait (laughs) we gonna wait (laughs) all right y'all fourth quarter fourth quarter out of bounds Alright fans, so earlier in the show we had Dev and LaChina talk about what was the most impressive teams and the most surprised teams that they've seen over the weekend, but we wanted to give you guys an opportunity to weigh in as well, so we put a poll on Twitter which impressed you the most over the opening weekend, and the choices were Seattle's win over Phoenix, the Aces dominance, McCowan's game winner, or Collier's 27 points, and drumroll... Y'all hear my little fake drum roll. (laughs) Um, The Aces dominance is actually what the fans decided was the most impressive over the opening weekend with 43% with Collier's 27 points coming in second. And Seattle and McCowan both tied at 10%. So
1: the fans, um, they agreed. They agreed with you guys. I mean, if you guys would have just listened to us, me (laughs) – Listen to Shea Serrano as much as he talks about Vegas on on uh, Twitter, y'all would have been fine. You would have understood, and it wouldn't be such a shock because we already knew what was coming. We
2: we did kind of already know. I mean, everybody. I, I honestly didn't pick um, the Aces to be the the WNBA favorite for the champion. I went with. Um, the LA Sparks I have a soft spot to see Chanae and Neka play together and I just feel like when they get the chemistry going that it's going to be great in LA shouldn't just be kind of thrown to the wayside but you guys are right new coach new um, a lot of things going on in, in LA right now that's going to make it a little different for them than it had been in the past but I'm holding on hope I just want to be different I just want to be the outcast uh, apparently <laughs> look I'm
1: trying to be the winner that's okay. what I'm trying to do trying, Okay, <laughs> trying to be the winner
2: speaking of winners As we are in our out-of-bounds segment, and we're just going to step off of women's basketball for all of one second. I know it's the end of the world, guys. (laughs) But... The NBA Finals are starting this week. And contrary to popular belief, it is not the Milwaukee Bucks. It is the Toronto Raptors that are going to be facing off against the Golden State Warriors. Zev, are you on this train that the Warriors are unbeatable and they pretty much should just go ahead and give them the trophy now? Or do you? are you saying there's a chance?
1: Um, Yeah, I'm giving this to uh, Golden State. I don't, I don't even think <laughs> I'm going to give... Toronto one game because I feel like Kawhi has been playing that good that he could get them to one game. But I'm saying Golden State in five.
2: Dang! Golden State in five. Okay, I am going to – God, I'm going to hate this later. I'm going to say Toronto in seven.
1: Mm Mm-mm. It's not going to go that far. And
2: I'm only saying Toronto in seven because this is the first time that I can remember that the Warriors are going to be starting off on the road. So they got home court advantage and they don't have KD. And, um, I don't know. I just feel like Toronto's gonna ride this train, and i'm I'm just gonna go I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna do it to be different i'm I'm probably gonna eat this later, but you that's are. all right. I'm they I'm haven't had k
1: d they haven't had K, but, well, how long has it been? It's been since like at least the semifinal. Is he coming
2: back? I don't, I'm so confused. I believe he's traveling with the team for game one and two. Um, not sure if he'll be ready for game three, but as long as KD is on the bench, I feel like Toronto has a chance. The moment he suits back up, you can just toss out everything I just see. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's fair. I'll give that to you. All fair. I'll give that to you. <laughs>
2: It's crazy. All right, fans. Well, it's been a heck of a show. Um, We appreciate you guys for tuning in every week as usual. Dev, tell them where they can find you on Twitter.
1: You can find me on Twitter at MissPeters14. Follow me and argue with me on there. Please argue with her on <laughs> It just gives me joy to watch her
2: Twitter feed when y'all are coming for her. Um, you can follow Lechina at Lechina Robinson. I'm at She Sports underscore. You can also follow Around the Rim at Around the Rim pod or send us an email at Around the Rim podcast at gmail.com. We love to see what you guys are wanting to hear from us, see from us, your thoughts on the show, any ideas you have. We are with it. And of course, please be sure to listen, rate and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast if it's apple if it's android you can hear us on spotify tune in whatever we don't care leave a review please make sure it's a nice one if it's a mean one i'm gonna delete it and um that's it for this week's show (laughs) i actually have no power to delete anything but i was gonna say i can't delete nothing (laughs) bye (laughs) y'all